chapter 11, verse 6 says this. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes. I actually feel, well, we'll see what the Lord wants to do tonight. I'm not going to put any stipulations on it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this. But without faith, we said our God's alive. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, semicolon, what does that look like? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's two things happening here. You've got to believe in God's existence. But then you've got to understand and believe that he rewards you when you diligently seek him. You seek him until you find him. You knock until he opens. You ask until he gives. The adversary fights these two things more than anything else. He fights the fact that God exists by sharing the lie and delusion that there's no God, atheism. But he knows if he can't get you to not believe in in the God, he'll try to pervert the way that you seek him. He'll try to twist the way that you find him. That's called religious tradition. That's called false religion. If you believe that God exists, you also need to believe that he diligently, that he will reward you if you diligently seek him. The adversary fights those two things more than anything else. That's the two main principles that he fights. God's existence and your abil- your, in fighting your ability to find the way that God really operates. He fights it in the school systems. Trying to teach kids that there is no God. Through, he, he affects people by false religion and false ideologies so that you can't really be rewarded by the one true God. We're in a battle. And the adversary is fighting against God's people. He's fighting against people from being able to find that God exists and that God rewards you if you seek him his way. I feel like that went over some of y'all's head, but it's in the book. Let's lift our hands. Let's begin to pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the word of God, and by the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ, I take dominion and authority over the resistance of the adversary that would try to hinder a flow of your spirit in lives, to try to hinder people from wanting to make the decision to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, to to try to get people to doubt and not believe that you are and you're uh, one who will reward us if we diligently seek you. God, I take authority and dominion over the lies, over the deception, over the spirits of this age that would try to hinder a moving of your spirit and from us going to deeper places in you in relationship 
in the name of Jesus Christ. God, let your perfect will be done in this place in Jesus' name. Can you clap your hands unto God and thank him for what you feel in this place? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated if you'd like, but don't sit on me or don't sit on the Lord more importantly. God, God was moving very mightily as we were singing and dancing and things were happening. But I could feel it even as we were praising and as we were worshiping there at the end that there needed to be some word to go forth so that it can begin to change us. One of the greatest things I ever heard in the scriptures, Brother Mott actually helped me with this in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. I'm thankful for worship and I'm thankful for praise because, yes, we win victories, we win battles with praise. But we've also got to let the word work. This is what our pastor's been talking about for two weeks. And it has, it has really, truly impacted me. I give honor to them. They're out ministering today. I give honor to our pastor and our sister pastor and their family. Great, great people. Can we give them honor in Jesus' name? We've got to let the word work in us and change us because the word is truly what will renovate us and change us. Go to... Uh, Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2. I want to read this again. And I, I didn't preach that long ago and I touched on these scriptures, but I cannot get away from these scriptures in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, now, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable ser- service. This is the prerequisite for what comes next. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. I explained the last time I preached that word transformed literally means metamorphosis, means to go to a different nature, to change from one nature to another. Not like the adversary. The adversary is metaschema where he can only change the outside, but he cannot change you from within. And I have not been able to get away from these scriptures and the things that the Lord's been dealing with me about. And and every time that I've been asked to preach, I keep coming back. And it it aligns with what the pastor is saying about the need for you to have your mind washed with his word. There needs to be a literal renovation of your mind. And the adversary wants so bad to come and to trick you and to deceive you to get you to not believe that he exists. All of us here believes, he, believes that God exists. We wouldn't be here without it. Can I go slow? Is that okay? I knew the moment we were dancing and shouting, I'm like, man, the, man people would be like, what just happened? He changed gears. It's what I felt to do in the Holy Ghost. Felt to slow it down. We'll get somewhere in Jesus' name. He wants to get you to not believe in God, but he can't do that to this group. This group believes that God exists. So what he wants to do, because he can't get you to not believe in God, is he wants to try to hinder you or stop you from truly seeking him so you can receive the rewards, the blessings, the anointings, the revelation, the relationship that comes. It's a reward from God. I've heard it said before that, that your worship and your submission to God 
The reward of that is revelation. It's relationship. It's, it's having an intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so the adversary wants to keep you from understanding, if I can get my mind renewed, if I can get my mind renovated, then I will walk different, I will talk different, I will see different. Just the other day, actually a few months ago, I have a friend. He called me. We've been talking for about nine months, ten, about nine months to a year about how God wanted to, to change him and God wanted him to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This guy was a believer. He believed in Jesus. But I started telling him about how you need to receive this baptism by water. You've already been filled with the spirit, but you need to be baptized by water because when you're baptized by water, every single sin, everything that tried to chase you into the water dies in the water. Here's the thing the adversary tries to battle when it comes to rewarding those that diligently seek God. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. The adversary will tell you you don't need to be baptized. That's because he doesn't want you to receive the reward. Oh, Jesus. The enemy will tell you baptism does not matter. It's just an outward expression of faith. It's just you're getting wet and you're just, you're just doing a little commitment. It's so much deeper than that. It's obedience to the word of God. You are obeying the commands. It's a heart change. It's exactly right. And I'm telling this young man because what he was doing and his seeking of God was not getting the reward. There was no reward. And so he was frustrated. And this young man was struggling with severe anxiety, so much to the point he couldn't function without medicinal cannabis. Could not function without cannabis. Could not function without having some type of substance to make himself appear better, feel better, right? He, he could not function without a substance to give him a fabricated peace. It's not peace. It's an escape. It's an escape. And so he's trying everything he knew. And the adversary is battling his mind. He's going, if God really loves me, why do I have so much anxiety? Because if the adversary can attack your ability to seek him or attack your understanding of knowing the word of God, then you're not going to get the reward that comes through baptism where you can walk in peace. You're now a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. I'm sitting there talking to him. We're walking together, and he's just like, I just don't know what to do. I've got big life changes coming. I got all this stuff happening. And he's like, I'm so sick of this anxiety. It's debilitating. I can't do anything without a substance. I began to tell him about baptism. I began to tell him about how you got to come out of Egypt. And you can't come out of Egypt any other way except going through the water. It was in the Old Testament that when the Egyptians came out, or excuse me, the Israelites came out of Egypt, they had to go through the Red Sea. They had to have a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day that would lead them. And I began to tell him these things. I said, you got to come out of Egypt. I know this is elementary for some of you, but not for everybody. Somebody's never heard this before. you got to come out of Egypt if you want to be delivered completely from sin, delivered from this anxiety, delivered from these things that are battling you. 
And I'm, 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 just, I'm just sharing scripture with them because the Old Testament is full of typology. It's full of types and, and shadows. And so it's beginning to show you the picture of what's to come in the New Testament. The principle was you had to go through water. The application was the Red Sea in the Old Testament. Application today is baptism in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling him, he's like, man, I I read, I pray, I I open my word and I study the word of God and I I look at all this stuff. But he's like, why am I still debilitated by this? I said, well, because the Israelites, just like the Israelites came out of Egypt and had to pass through water, you've got to pass through water. But when you pass through water, every Egyptian that's tied to you, every Egyptian, every ounce of sin that has got you bound, that has got you, that's got you captive right now, when you come up out of that water, you will be completely changed. It's not that the pool is some magical, special water. No, it's the obedience to the word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 3, except a man is born again, they can't even see the kingdom of God. Then he went on to say, except a man is born again of water and spirit, they can't enter into the kingdom of God. I told him, if you want to see differently, if you want to see, because when you're blind, you don't realize that you're being affected in how you seek the Lord. When you're blind or you just have nobody has ever told you about what the Bible says about baptism, about these other principles that will actually give you a reward while you seek him. Then you're going to be doing things in frustration in the dark. You're going to be looking for the light. You're going to be looking for the table. You're going to be trying to grab food, but you're in pitch black dark. You can't see anything, and that's how you get even more hurt. When you try to live a life in the dark, in the pitch black dark, you are going to stumble even more. You're going to hurt yourself even more, and you're going to get more frustrated at the one that you call creator. Because you're going to blame it on him. You're going to say, there must be, Mike, I'm telling you, there's revelation. You're going to blame it on God. Say, God, your word says that I'm supposed to have peace. Your word says that I'm supposed to be changed. Your word says that I'm supposed to have hope and joy. But I am in so much darkness, and, and I am hurt more now as I've tried to seek you than I did before. Because if the adversary can try to keep you blind. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the Bible talks about that the God of this world, not big G, little g, the little g, because he's not God, as in the one true creator, Jesus Christ. No, he is just has authority in this earth. Little God. He's only got a little bit of power because he took it from Adam and Eve in the garden. He took the authority we were supposed to be walking in. But the Bible says that the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which would believe not unless the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should come unto them. You've got to have a come unto them moment. You've got to come unto Jesus moment where he says, except a man be born. And it's, it's talking about general neutral. It doesn't mean just man as in male. It's talking about male and female. Except a person be born again, they can't see. And if you can't see, you will live in so much chaos. God wants to help you this morning. 
to begin to see differently so that when you seek the Lord, you're seeking him with your eyes open. And as you're seeking him with your eyes open, you begin to see him reward you in ways that you could never even imagine. It's funny, I was thinking about this this morning, even in the rise of atheism. (laughs) You got people who don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. But now you've got Satanism and witchcraft rising at an an, an crazy level. You want to know why? Because when you stop putting your faith in he is, you start putting your faith in something else. You start saying, well, that is to me. I want to worship that. I want to walk with that. I mean, I don't know if you guys got your eyes open, but you can just go on the Internet and see that there's they had witches all over the United States on the same few days out on paddle boards. I'm serious. Look it up. All over the place. Oh, it's just cute, fun. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm not interested in playing with the devil. Even if you say, oh, well, it's just, it's just fun. We're, they're, just, they're, just, they're just wanting to wear the hats and the costumes. Okay. Suit yourself. That's not coming in my house. Because we believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I want my eyes to be open to see the way that the Lord wants me to seek him, the way his word tells me to seek him. Because if I seek him the way the word tells me to seek him, I'll be rewarded with the blessings, the love, the joy, the peace, the hope, the anointing of the almighty God. Jesus. I was telling this young man all about baptism and saying, man, you got to come out of Egypt. You got to come out of anxiety. You're, you're bound by anxiety. We become too comfortable with some things. We become too comfortable with depression. We become too comfortable with anxiety, too comfortable with things that the Lord said, I will give you dominion over. There's days where you're going to have a down day. I'm not talking about a down day. I'm talking about a pattern. I'm talking about a stronghold. I'm not talking about, man, you know, things went really bad in my business and, and you know, my, my kids acting crazy. I'm not talking about that. There are days of that, and you might even go through a week or a few weeks or even a few months where you're down. I'm talking about a stronghold. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God wants to pull down strongholds in your mind because there are strongholds, there are pathways, there are things that are literally built in your mind, a way of thinking. But Romans chapter 12 tells us that if you will present your body, present your mind, if you will submit your will, then he will begin to renovate he will, you're not going to be conformed to the ways of the world. You will be transformed into a completely different nature. I don't care if your daddy or your grandma always were alcoholics. You don't have to be. I don't care if you always had family members that were pathological liars. You don't have to be. You can be free. I told this young man, I said, I started telling him all, of, I was telling him all about coming out of Egypt. And he's sitting there and the conviction begins to fall upon him. Conviction is when the spirit of God begins to move upon your heart where it's almost like there's a, it's a breaking point. A decision has to be made. You feel yourself being pushed to a place of decision. And he's standing there and he's going, kicks his shoes off and says, there's water over there. What are we waiting on? 
I, if you're telling me that this is true, if you're telling me that this is the way that I seek him, and you're telling me that I'm going to have peace and reward of seeking him like this because the Bible says it, I can sort of see it, I hear what you're saying. Even though I can't completely see it, I can hear it. I said, when you come up out of that water, you're going to see like you've never seen. Can we go? Is this okay? <laughs> I, just feel, I just feel to just, to just drop some, some revelation on you slowly to let you. It's got to get into your spirit. It's got to get in here where I will seek God with all my heart. I will seek God with all my mind and strength. Kicked his shoes off. He said, I'm doing it. We got into the water. We're praying together before, and I'm telling him, you're going to see like you've never seen. I'm telling you, the Bible says you will see. He said, okay, let's do it. Called some, he called some family members over, put him down in that water, and he came up out of the water, and we were praying right there, and he literally is, is just talking to the Lord, and he, and he says out of his own mouth, I can see. Everything looks different. I've never seen like this. I mean, my eyes are open. He's saying this in the waters. Because when you seek the Lord, the way the Bible tells you, you'll receive the reward. You'll be able to see. You'll be changed. He said, I can see, I can see, I can see. I've never seen like this before. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, the only way that you can begin to see is if you've been born again by water and spirit. According to John chapter 3, you've got to be born again. Why? Because that's the way that Jesus made it. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the Logos made flesh. Jesus is the one that, that he had spoke all of this into existence. He is the one. And I know what I'm saying when I say Jesus as Logos. Yes, it was spoken into existence. All things were made through the Logos. He knows what he's doing and he gives you his word. He gives you the principles. That if you would submit to what he's trying to show you. You'd receive the reward. But there is an adversary. The Bible says that we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of what the adversary is trying to do to fight against us. We should be able to discern and know what he's doing. That's why God puts a preacher up here to help you start to see or to hear, to know, to understand. I'm being battled. I, I, I've got all this doubt. Man, this preacher's right. I don't know why I've had so much anxiety. That young man to this day, months later, say, how's the anxiety doing, bro? It's completely gone. But he's like, bro, I, I literally, it's gone. It, it, I, I, I don't even know what to tell you, but I, it, things are different. And at the end of that baptism, I told him, I said, well, let me pray for you again. Because he had received the Holy Ghost, just like the Bible says. Another thing, that if you would diligently seek him, he'll fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
It's not the will of God for you to keep seeking for the Holy Ghost and not receive it. Because the Bible says the promise is unto you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as our Lord God shall call. If you have not been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, it is for you. And don't let people tell you that it's just a gift that's not for you. That's not true. There's two different Greek words in the first Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 through those scriptures talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit. It's a completely different Greek word than the ones in Acts chapter 2 when it says that they were all, all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. We had a man uh, in College Park, we were doing some outreach uh, about three months ago, four months ago, and this guy, I mean, he was going at us. I mean, he, he, he was very aggressive, and we were, we were talking to him about the scriptures. He was actually a well-known pastor somewhere down in South Carolina. And I'm telling you, we're at little Malena Rafter. She was, she was bold. She was just spitting scripture, 13 years old. I'm like, my God, go ahead. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Lauren, Lauren jumped in, Lauren Millette, and she's hitting with scriptures. I'm like, man, I mean, I, I'm out of a job. These girls got it going on. <laughs> and they were just bam, bam, bam. And we asked him this question. He said, it, it, you, you don't need to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. The gifts have ceased. The gifts have ceased. What do you mean? Jesus said, these works that I'm doing, you will do greater. The whole purpose of the Bible is to believe and to activate what was written in your life. That's the whole point of rhema. Rhema is God's activated word through you. (laughs) And we're like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, miracles don't happen anymore. I'm talking about a guy that's got thousands of followers. Thousands of followers telling us that miracles don't happen. He's got a podcast. Thousands of followers telling us that you don't need to be baptized. You don't need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The speaking in tongues stuff has ceased. I'm going, my God, why do you even own a Bible? It's not doing you any good. I didn't say that. That would have been mean. I really didn't say that. but But I was thinking it. I'm like. What is the point of, like, what is the whole point of all this? When Jesus Christ was manifested in the flesh, and he poured out his spirit, is so that we could become more like him in his image. And if I'm like him in his image, then I'm going to be used doing things that he did, him working through me for others, so that they can know Jesus and have a relationship with him. When I get full of the spirit, I'm governed by the spirit. I'm releasing peace. I'm releasing joy. God's spirit through me is releasing peace, joy, hope, miracles, signs, wonders. Paul even said in the in Romans, he said, I have fully preached the word of God with signs and miracles. Fully preached. You can't even fully preach without signs, miracles, and wonders. doesn't mean it's going to every single service you're going to have somebody uh, jumping out of a wheelchair, throwing their crutches. Now that happens. But when we are fully preaching the gospel, you'll see signs, wonders, and miracles. That is an example of a man, a good man, a great man who's been blinded. And now there's other people that are following but not diligently seeking the way the scripture tells us to seek. That, therefore, they're not getting the reward. He might, he might be getting rewarded in other ways because he's got a bunch of followers, but he ain't getting rewarded the way the scripture says you can be rewarded. 
We've got to obey this word. You're, you're too late to tell me that I don't have to be baptized. You're too late to tell me that I, can't, I don't need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You're too late to tell me that miracle signs and wonders don't happen. I had a fractured vertebrae in my back, and God healed me when I walked through a prayer line. When I was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, I knew God was with me. I knew what God did in me at 12 years old. And when I prayed back through at 17, I saw many other people filled with the Holy Ghost. If you really let the Lord show you how to diligently seek him, it would forever change your life. Come on, can we clap our hands right now and shout unto God. Come on, I believe somebody today is going to diligently seek the Lord. Somebody today is going to diligently seek the Lord. I was studying scripture recently, talking about believing that God exists and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It's reading the scriptures in Galatians. It's talking about the difference of the law. For those of you who don't have much knowledge of the Bible, you basically have, well, we, we could go through a big Bible study, but let's just keep it simple. God came to Abraham and he said, I'm going to give you a son. And this will be the promise of me restoring relationship between me and mankind. And it's coming through your seed. And God came to Abraham and he said, I'm going to restore what was lost. He didn't say that, but that's what he was doing. He said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to make you a great father of many nations. You're going to be multiplied all over the earth. And he's telling Abraham, from up here, from far away, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your descendants like great numbers, stars in the sky and sand on the seashore. And through you, the promise is going to happen. He says this to Abraham, and then all of a sudden we know we see Isaac. Isaac was typology of Christ. No, he wasn't Christ. He was a foreshadow or a type of Christ. And when Isaac showed up, then God is telling Abraham, hey, I want you to kill your only son. It's like, what? I thought this is what the promise was. But he didn't respond like that. He said, you know what? You gave me this promise. You supernaturally gave me the son. Uh, Cliff note, he was about 99 when he had the son. It was impossible. Him and his wife could not have a child. But God chose a man in an impossible situation and said, I'm going to show you how much I'm God, how much I exist. And I'm going to show you how much I reward if you diligently seek me. And Abraham obeyed God. And, then, and he said, hey, go sacrifice your son. And he's like, okay, well, I got to obey God. You gave me the promise. You gave me the son. Came in this world with nothing. I'm leaving with nothing. Blessed to receive. I got I to gotta, I gotta let go. And he said, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go do it. So he goes up to the mountain, goes to sacrifice his son. And right as he's about to do it, the hand of the angel of the Lord catches him. And there's a ram in the thicket, a male sheep. God says, no, I just wanted to see if you were willing. Then that ram, Isaac in that moment was representing humanity. The seed that has sinned and has made a lot of mistakes. And all of a sudden, this male sheep is caught in the thicket which represents the sacrifice, Christ. Put, the male, put that male sheep on the altar, and he became the sacrifice instead of Isaac. Something stood in the gap. Something became the substitution rather than Isaac. 
Fast forward to Moses. God begins to deal with Moses. He comes a little closer. From, with Abraham, he was speaking to him from here, but you don't have much understanding of who God was. You just know he's Elohim. He's almighty. He's powerful. He's a great God. But then he comes and he starts talking to Moses in the burning bush. He comes closer to humanity. And Moses says, who are you? He says, I am that I am. I am the self-existent one. I am God and there's no one else. So God calls Moses out of Egypt like he called Abraham out of Babylon. He calls him out. And he says to Moses, I'm going to make you a great deliverer of my people. And I'm going to give you laws. And these laws are laws that are going to give you understanding of who I am and how I operate, how you can seek me. And if you will seek me this way, you'll see my reward. But if you study the Old Testament, (laughs) the Israelites were like a bunch of kids that were like, God was like, hey, don't eat the cookies. And they're like, okay, sure, I won't. He turns around and they're like, I told you not to eat the cookie. You know what? Go to your room. Taking the Israelites, put them in the room. You're in timeout. I'm putting the cookies. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I ate the cookies. I repent. That was literally the cycle of the Old Testament. You can go read it. Over and over. I'm serious. That was the cycle. Over and over and over. Am I wrong? I mean, that's, that's what it was. That, now, you still need to read it, but I'm giving you the, <laughs> the simplified version. They would not listen to God. But what's okay about that, it's not okay to not listen to God, but the purpose of that law was to show these Israelites, to show us we can't serve God in our humanity. We can't serve God in our own efforts, in our flesh. We can't do it. And so the Bible tells us right here in Galatians chapter 319, I'm going to read through the New Living Translation. You want to pull that on the screen. We're going to tie all this together here in a minute. Galatians 3.19 says this in the New Living Translation. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. The start of that came through Abraham. But, the, but that was typology. Isaac was typology of Christ eventually coming. It says that the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Now watch this. I want you to catch this. Verse 21. Is there a conflict then that between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, We could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in in Jesus Christ. Watch this. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. Almost like under uh, uh, protective custody, if you will. We weren't with the father completely. We were under custody and protective custody. We were with a guardian or a legal guardian. We were kept in protective custody so that, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. 
Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came, the law of Moses. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we are no longer in need of the law as our guardian. Watch this. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are now his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. When you look at the macro perspective, God is so brilliant. It's amazing. When you look at the macro plan, you look at it from a zoomed out perspective. You see God coming to Abraham. And saying, I'm going to give you a seed. I'm going to bring the promise through you. The promise of salvation. The promise of a Messiah. The promise of a Savior. That was in the macro plan. That's almost like that's the birth. That's the infant. That's the start. (laughs) Stay with me. But then Moses shows up in this macro plan. And God gives him 613 laws that he expects the people to, to keep and to follow. And they only could sacrifice the animals in order to keep pushing their debt back in their sin because they ultimately needed Jesus Christ to fully forgive them of their sin and fully wipe away from the past and in the future to wipe away anybody that put their faith in Jesus and submit to his will. Now watch. He, he, Paul likens the law to being like a child in protective custody. Being a child with a guardian, you're not yet mature yet. You're immature. And you see that in the Israelites' reactions, they were constantly making mistakes. They were constantly falling and tripping, and they could not get it right. But the Scripture tells us that the law was made to show you that you needed a Savior. The law was created. The law was given to tell you and to show you you can't make it without spiritual empowerment. (laughs) And so you've got the macro perspective of Abraham showing up and bringing the, the firstborn are bringing the promise, the start of the promise. That's the infant stage, of the baby stage of the whole entire macro plan. But then you got the childhood development happening in God's people, in the law. You keep making mistakes, keep ma- messing up. But the scripture tells us that it was there to prove to us we were going to keep messing up, to prove to us we needed a savior. But when Christ showed up, The Bible talks about, I don't have time to get into it. The Bible tells us and shows us that's when you become an heir. You're no longer a slave who's just underneath the covering of a legal guardian. But now you're you cry out, Abba, Father, because you've become reborn. Now you've taken on sonship. Now he's become your father and you're now his son and his his daughter. Now you are walking in maturity. What is the mark of maturity? The mark of maturity is the very thing that God spoke over Abraham that I'm going to bring the promise of the Father, the seed, Jesus Christ, and his spirit. Oh, God. What he's telling us is that when Jesus showed up, He offers his spirit to anybody who wants it. Where now you become a son of God. And now you can walk in maturity. You can walk with him and seek him. And he'll reward you 
Because when you get filled with his spirit, when you get filled with his spirit, you have God working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's no longer about you trying to get it done in your own efforts, trying to check off religious boxes. That's Old Testament. They were, they were, oh, I can't do this. You know, when you have a child, you tell them, hey, no, yes. They don't really know much except that's bad and that's good. They don't really know much except mommy gets mad at me if I do that. Daddy gets mad at me if I do that. I shouldn't do that. Why? Because of fear. They don't want to get in trouble. That is being a child. That is walking in immaturity, right? You're learning. You're growing. But you keep falling. You keep tripping over your own feet. You keep making mistakes. But in the macro plan of God, where we are right now is stepping into a place of maturity. Stepping into a place of relationship. Stepping into a place where you can literally be governed By the spirit of God and God can fill you with his spirit where you are forever changed. God is trying to bring you to a place in his plan where you start getting involved with kingdom business. A child doesn't get involved with kingdom business. Under the law, they couldn't operate too much in kingdom business. They just kept getting in trouble. But in the New Testament, under the new covenant, under Jesus Christ, we can now walk and talk like daddy. We can now walk and act like our father. We can now be. When Jesus was in the temple at 12 years old, they said, what are you doing? He said, I must be about my father's business there was a transition happening Jesus was proclaiming the transition from Old Testament to New Testament he was proclaiming the transition from going as being a child in the macro level of things to now stepping into offering the opportunity for you to walk in maturity where he was going to eventually pour out his spirit pretty soon that's why he said I must be about my father's business God is calling on you all to begin to step into a place of maturity where you not only believe that God is but you believe that God is a rewarder of you if you diligently seek him he's offering his spirit he's offering his power he's offering it to people who are willing to submit their will and walk in kingdom authority Oh, my God, my God, my God. If you're waiting on this election to change your life, then I feel very, very sorry for you. It doesn't matter what's going to happen this election. People are going to lose their mind on the left and the right. There's going to be chaos on the left and the right. There's going to be chaos regardless. So what you got to do is begin to step into maturity. Step into the maturity of Scripture and say, I want to be led of the Spirit. I want to be used in kingdom business. Jalen or whoever's Nathaniel, you can come. I'm I'm about to land this plane right here. No, we need to land. You might have been taught, you might have been told you don't need to be baptized. You might have been told you don't need God's spirit, or God's spirit is just when you just get joyful. God's spirit is just when you get happy and say, Christ, I accept you into my heart. People are genuine. People say these things with a genuine heart that they really want you to grow in God. The problem is God can only bless that which he has instituted. God can only bless that which is obedient to the word of God. You can't change God's principles. You can't change gravity. You can tell me all you want. I'm going to jump off this building and I'm going to fly. 
principles of gravity are going to overpower your sincerity. The principles of the word of God overpower your sincerity. The eternal word of God is forever settled. It's forever established. He's even exalted his word above his name. God is calling you and he's drawing you. Because this is what I felt in the Holy Ghost. I said all of this to get to this point. We have too many Old Testament Pentecostals. We have too many Old Testament apostolics. Where, and I'm not, when I say we, I don't mean this church. I just mean in general, the church as a whole. Where it's still about religion. It's still about religiosity. I, I, I check these boxes. I, I, I do the work. I do what I'm told to do like the Old Testament. I follow the law and I'm saved. So much deeper than that. There's intimacy and relationship that Jesus Christ, when he tore the veil between the Old Testament and the New Testament, he was saying, my spirit now can dwell within you. My spirit now can come to you in your bedroom. My spirit can now come to you wherever you are, wherever you sleep, wherever you work. My spirit can now come because I am your God and you will be my people if you will diligently seek me the way that I've established. And if you will diligently seek me the way I've established, I will reward you with salvation. I will reward you with relationship. I will reward you with revelation. I will reward you with a blessed family. I will reward. When you begin to seek the Lord the way that he has instituted in his word, and you believe that God is, and you believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When you seek him with that mentality, I will not stop until I get a hold of God. I want to walk in maturity. There's something that begins to happen in your heart where God literally begins to change your desires. God literally begins to change your spirit. God literally begins to deliver your mind. But you've got to open up your spirit. You've got to open up your heart where you say, I refuse to be bound by Old Testament law and walk in the law of grace. Walk in the law of relationship and love. I've got an opportunity to have it. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle. I want to I grow with Christ. I want to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to grow in grace. I want to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. I'm telling you, God, there's some of you that have never been in this place before. And I can feel the love of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says that the whole law is fulfilled in this one word, my God. The whole law is fulfilled in this one word. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God. Now watch, why did he say that? What he was saying, my God, I feel the love of God in this. What he was saying, my God, what he was saying is that it's agapao is the word in the Greek when he says love your neighbor. When he says love me and love, it's agapao. That literally means the the love of God, the unconditional, without boundaries love of God that comes only from Him. God is agape. And the only way you can agape, which is to love people with God's love in action, is if you've been filled with His Spirit. 
So what he's telling you is, even if you wanted to walk in the law, (laughs) you can't. But if my spirit fills you, and you're obedient to my spirit, you can begin to fulfill everything that I've called you to fulfill by me flowing through you. All this can be summed up by the love of God. Can we just stand and lift our hands? There's some people that have already responded. There's other people that I know you're in this place, and you're so discontent. You you are so discontent with living like a child believer. You want to walk in maturity. You want to hear the voice of God. You want to walk in kingdom business and authority and power. You want to be used mightily. You want to begin to open up your mouth and speak truth to people. I'm telling you, there's hungry people all over this world. Just this week, I keep running into people over and over and over again that I've ran into in the past. God is stirring up hunger among us, and God is looking for people who want to be involved with kingdom business. But he needs to know right now. He needs to know in the name of Jesus. Are you willing to seek me so that I can reward you the way that I've called you? The way that I've called you to seek me. If you believe that I am, I'm thankful. But I want you also to believe that I reward you. If you seek me with a diligence that won't be denied. If you seek me with a diligence that says, I will not stop until I'm filled with the Spirit. I will not stop till I'm governed by the Spirit. If you feel to respond, I encourage you to come to this altar. If you're ready for maturity, if you want to walk in some things of maturity, I know it's not an overnight thing, but it's something you can begin to make a commitment to. If you've never been filled with God's spirit, God will fill you with his spirit right now. If you've never been filled with the gifts of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, you come here and you diligently seek God for that gift. You diligently seek God for that gift. He'll fill you right here. If you want the gift of the Holy Ghost, you diligently seek God and He'll fill you. If you just want to be more governed by the Spirit and to walk in kingdom authority, you come to this altar and begin to say, God, I yield my will. I present my body as a living sacrifice. I present myself to you, God. I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing, the renovation of my mind. Come on, there's a sweet flow of the love of God in this place. There's a sweet flow. Come on, that's it. If you are not praying for yourself, please come pray for some of these others. They're responding to the Holy Ghost with a desire to go deeper, with a desire to reach for God, with a desire to be rewarded by Him for diligently seeking Him. My God. I feel the crashing flow of love, of the spirit and power of God just sweeping throughout this place right now. Come on, church, respond to the Holy Ghost. 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 Come on. I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. Come on, be free. Be free in Jesus' name.
come on, respond to the Holy Ghost. Respond to the Holy Ghost. Respond to the Holy Ghost. God is touching. God is healing. God is mending. If you need a miracle, if you need God to do a work in your mind, he will begin to deliver your mind right now. You can be free from anxiety. You can be free from anxiety. You can be free from depression. You can be free from confusion. You can be free. I don't want just an Old Testament walk. I want a New Testament walk. I want a New Covenant walk. I want to walk with Jesus and hear His voice. I want to be rewarded for diligently seeking Him the way that He's called me to seek Him. Come on, there's another wave of the Holy Ghost. It's not too late to respond. I encourage you to get out your seat if you feel to respond. I'm talking about the love of God. The waters are troubled up here right now. The waters are troubled up here right now. The power of God is flowing right now. That's it in the name of Jesus. Don't be looking around at your neighbor. You get a hold of God for yourself. What the veil rent in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, what the veil that was rent, it's in this place, the glory of God that was released from the tabernacle, that was released from the temple. That glory's in this place. I will keep praying. Come on, I'm telling you, God's not done in this place. There's something happening in this altar. And if you need to get in the altars, get get in the waters that are troubled right now, now's your moment. Now's your time to get a hold of God right now. Let Him start a new thing. Let Him start a new thing. says. I'm going to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost if that's what the Bible says. I'm going to sacrifice if that's what the Bible says. I'm going to yield my will if that's what the Bible says. I'm going to submit my heart to God if that's what the Bible says. I will keep praying and I will keep fasting until it comes. Pour it over my city. I'll keep Keep interceding until it's done. Pour it out, God. Pour it out, God. We're ready. We're ready. Pour it out, God. Pour it out, God. We're ready. We're not 
not going to sell ourselves short of Old Testament living. We're going to walk in New Covenant living. We're going to walk empowered by the Spirit. I want to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. I want to be led by the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost to pour out upon me so I can be led, so I can walk with God and be rewarded through seeking Him, the one true God. Come on, let God release faith upon you. Let God release faith upon you. Gift of faith. Pour it out, Jesus. Pour it out, Jesus. Pour it out, Jesus.